This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, here we are in uh, Eclipse Central. That, I guess... It's a, it's a, it's rare enough uh, across certain swaths of the country to where we can take time out to to stop to reflect on nature's majesty and maybe forget for a moment press bias and and left wing extremists trying to rip our heads off because we disagree with them politically. Welcome to it, everybody. The Chris Salcedo Show, uh, rather contemplative mood over the weekend after witnessing what I witnessed. And I'll get into that throughout the course of the program. In the meantime, if you want to weigh in, 888 Already had folks weighing in on this today. The, the phrase, this has got to stop, comes to mind. And people are saying it openly. This has got to stop. They're not talking about Trump either. They're talking about the insanity of those who oppose Donald Trump being where he's at. The choice of the American people. And some of these individuals, the never-Trumpers on the Republican side, they will not stop to realize that it was their failures that resulted in Donald Trump being where he's at. Uh, reaching out to the Chris Salcedo Show, do it on social media, at Chris Salcedo TX on Twitter, at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X, on Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show, on TheBlaze.com, the channels section for The Chris Salcedo Show. Listen live to the program, Blaze.com slash radio, Blaze Radio smartphone app, iHeartRadio app, or SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. So we'll, I guess we'll, we'll buy into the, the eclipse hysteria. And, you know, it's just now wrapping up across the United States, heading out in the East Coast. So let's, uh, let's start off with Fox, because Shepard Smith has been having a field day. With all of this. And uh, he's talking with Trace Gallagher right now. Oddly enough, out in Los Angeles where where none of this is happening. Uh, but well, let's just listen in. People are trying to game the system, right? You started in Oregon and then you moved on down to uh, Illinois and Kentucky and then and down to the Carolinas. And people are trying to game the system, see if they could actually race the eclipse and, and they couldn't do it. I mean, people, pilots are saying, well, what if we flew in and we just started and we got the, the tail end of it or the beginning in Oregon and we could make our way? You still can't. Even if you were in a fighter jet, then maybe if you're traveling just a little over 800 miles an hour, you maybe can catch glimpses of it, but there's no way because you had that 9.06 a.m. in the West Coast was the first one and then you move on. You had, you know, 10.44 in, in Illinois area and then you move down to the two o'clock hour in the South, so you can't do that. But as the legend grows, about these eclipses for you know for hundreds of years that you've been reading about these things and and a lot of people used to believe that that they were you know precursors of evil because well in this case they, they might be they just might be after what i witnessed this weekend after what i saw this weekend our political adversaries folks they actually took to the streets this weekend to protest Free speech. Free speech. <laughs> Mary Ramirez tweeting out, uh, if you've all been blinded by the solar eclipse, no problem. 
Chris Alcedo show is audio. <laughs> so just tune in. No problem. Over to CNN. That's right. Oh, Anderson. Let's, let's, and here it comes. The, the sun is coming back. The sun is coming back, so people are cheering. It didn't go away permanently. Uh, but yes, you're right. People have booked this cruise with this in mind, this eclipse, but also Bonnie Tyler was a big draw as well. I'm told that the final cabin, Anderson, to book it was $15,000. So <laughs> okay. Bonnie Tyler and an eclipse. Wait a minute. Bonnie, was it? No, hold on a minute. I, I, I. I got to look this up because I, I didn't think it was Bonnie Tyler. Didn't she do total eclipse of the heart? Total eclipse of the. Yeah. I'll, well, well, that was some creative booking. I got to say on a cruise ship, 15 grand, get your Bonnie Tyler concert. Total eclipse of the heart. Well, that, that I mean that let's give them an A for creativity. Uh, let's get over to uh, MSNBS where they're talking about Afghanistan. At this point, it implodes. It involves certainly Pakistan, which is acting quite logically, by the way. They don't want chaos in their rear area. Pakistan is not the central problem. For Who wants chaos in their rear area? Can I, can I ask that just really quickly? After a brutal civil war. So I don't think the president, this president or the last two can get out. I think we're going to hedge our bets. We're going to cope. We don't want to see a giant, uh, terrible disaster in the area. And so we're going to put some more resources in there and try and get through it. That's General McCaffrey uh, foreshadowing what uh, the president will say tonight. I believe it's 8 o'clock Eastern uh, about our Afghanistan strategy. And not just Afghanistan, but, the, but we're told Asia as well. And America's longest war in Afghanistan. I hope there's a strategy in there somewhere. And with the people that, that Donald Trump has as his defense defense personnel, I am more confident than I ever have ever been that this will be accomplished. I mean, ISIS, for example, all it took was an occupier of the Oval Office, an actual president, to say, oh, let's go win. President Obama, of course, the, the father of ISIS, and didn't seem all too eager to rid us of ISIS. And, and I know I'm going to be probably calling to the carpet for being rhetorical, but it's true. Without, without Barack Obama's irresponsible withdrawal from Iraq, we never would have had ISIS filling the power vacuum, but we did. And to refresh everybody's memory, President Bush had set up a status of forces agreement, a residual force that was going to be left behind to keep the peace, Military said we need at least 14,000 troops. Barack Obama said, Loma McClure, I'll give you 3,000. And um, they said, Well, sir, we're not, that would be suicide. Well, I'm going to give, I'm the great Barack Obama. And I said, I'm going to give you 3,000. At that point, the Iraqis are going, uh, Okay, this guy's not serious. So they turn to Iran for their security. And the rest, as they say, is deplorable history. So that's uh, a foreshadowing of tonight. Let me tell you what I was thinking about over the weekend. Uh, to be quite honest, I was in the shower. You know, they say that, and there's a book that I'm, I have read uh, that suggests you do not get up in the morning and immediately look at your smartphone. They say that allow yourself some time to 
Let your mind wander. Be creative. Get those alpha waves going. And they say people always wonder why they get great ideas in the shower. Well, because you got the hot water going and you're relaxed and your mind is free-flowing. And what occurred to me over the weekend as we try to gear the programming here on the Blaze Radio Network toward not only identifying problems, but also coming up with solutions. And I'm not going to pretend that I have all the answers. Hell, I'm not even going to pretend you that I have, I'm not going to pretend I tell you that I have one of the answers. But here's what I will say. I was thinking about what Boston meant. This, this weekend, individuals gathered for a freedom of speech rally in Boston. And they were drowned out and shouted down through thuggery, through intimidation and threats by thousands upon thousands of left-wingers, Democrat Party members, uh, Black Lives Matter, Black Lies Matter members, Antifa members who were protesting that concept of free speech in America. In the United States, our political opposition is now openly anti-free speech. And I, and I thought to myself, that this is where is this coming from? And I know it's coming from the left, but why is this all of a sudden acceptable? Well, all you need to do is go onto the campuses and find the buttercups, the snowflakes. And their teachers are saying, well, hate speech isn't protected speech, which is a complete and utter falsehood. Of course it is. Because the term hate speech in and of itself is subjective. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about something that's somewhat breaking news. Remember I told you that Mitt Romney and and John McCain had come out and said that somehow the KKK and the white supremacists and the Nazis, their hate was worse than the racists of Black Lives Matter, the racists of Antifa, and the anti-constitutional violence of Antifa. That somehow they were more meritorious, according to Mitt Romney and John McCain. Of course, they did this to take a gratuitous swipe at the President of the United States. We understand why they did it, but their own sorry reputations became even sorrier. As a result. So. Now we have a story that's just breaking over the last couple of hours. Of one of these uh, groups, one of these people that Mitt Romney and John McCain are so enamored with who tried to set a bomb. At the base of a Confederate statue in Houston. And. um John McCain, these must be John McCain's people, Mitt Romney's people. I, and, and, and this is permissible, they tell themselves, because they're combating hate. Let's combat hate by placing bombs at the base of statues that will have lots of collateral damage. Let's oppose hate by dressing up in masks and carrying clubs with nails on the end of them. 
and throwing bottles full of urine at people. Let's combat hate by calling for the death of whites and cops. Let's combat hate that way. And John McCain, <laughs> yeah, you betcha. <laughs> these are my kind of, <laughs> these are my kind of people. <laughs> Mitt Romney, in a rather flaccid attempt to lash out at the president of the United States, sides with these reprobates. Now, I'm going to play for you. I had an appearance on I-24 News. I'm going to play for you how to respond to these kinds of people. What you should be doing, and, I, and e even you members of the left wing, if you're intellectually honest, what you should be doing to oppose the likes of these radical leftists, these anti-free speech, these racists, these hate-filled people. It's coming up. The Chris Salcedo Show. Welcome to it on a Monday on The Blaze. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Steve Bannon had left his post or was fired from his post on Friday, and it was kind of breaking news here. And we had let you know kind of what we what we had thought about it, got some of the reaction in there. Tucker Carlson jumps on, on the air on Friday. And th th this is, don't worry, I'm tying this all back to how we started our conversation uh, about what to do about a country now where the media has the backs of hate. The, the basket of biased press is willing to overlook the hate of Antifa, of Black Lives Matter, and other left-wing extremist groups who utilize the tactics of violence, threats, intimidation, coercion to silence free speech and to harm people. And uh, I, I have no way to explain a press that covers as something that's meritorious, a counter-protest to a, to a free speech rally in Boston. And the, and the, the press is elated over a counter-protest that drowns out a free speech rally. And I don't get it. This will all tie together. Here's Tucker Carlson talking about Bannon's firing. Senior White House advisor Steve Bannon got canned today after losing an internal power struggle that had been raging for months. Like his now former boss, Bannon was a mercurial figure in a business that prizes predictability. To steal cliches from a hundred different cop movies, he was a loose cannon who didn't play by the rules. Bannon fanned fruitless controversies with unwise remarks. He specialized in making enemies. The White House will be a much more placid place now that he's gone. The question is, will it be a better place? Let's put it this way. Bannon was one of the relatively few senior staff in the White House who wouldn't feel at home in the Hillary Clinton administration. Indeed, he was one of the rare Republicans there and the only or one of the very few populist conservatives. Is that true? I think so. That 
the there are several people with inside the Obama holdovers aside that that Republicans brought in the establishment Republicans brought into that White House who would have been elated with a Hillary Clinton occupation of the Oval Office and Bannon. Uh, well, I, I had some things to say about Bannon that I repeated on I-24 News. And that's that's how we got involved in this discussion, uh, first off, on I-24 News on Friday. And then it evolved with my buddy Ellis Hennigan, who is a liberal, who's a Democrat, into the race relations in this country. But here's what we had to say about Bannon. Uh, David Schuster and Michelle McCory are the hosts of a program called Crossroads on I-24 News. From my dealings with them, these are these are individuals who are trying to play it straight down the middle. At least from my interactions. Uh, and here was the first question they had for me. Chris, I'll start with you. Bannon out. What's your reaction? Uh, really what most conservatives and probably most Republicans around the country will do is a shrug of the shoulders. Mr. Bannon really wasn't very out there, wasn't very vocal, wouldn't even come on conservative talk radio. I think it's not that I was really upset about this, but, you know, we had invited him to come on and talk with us on, on my program. But instead, he he chose to go and have a conversation with a, a rather liberal publication to air some of his grievances out there with the with the Trump administration and and talk about how he differed from the Trump administration. So I I think the conservative movement, Republicans in general, will go Steve Bannon, who and shrug their shoulders and move on. Yeah, and that's kind of what I said here on Friday. That Steve Bannon wasn't one of these guys. These guys, he was working behind the scenes. And when you wanted him to come out of the shadows and talk about what he was doing, maybe some of the struggles, maybe get some of we the people's assistance in what he was trying, he was resistant to that. Now, I'm willing to believe that it's just because of because of the blaze posture in general toward the election of Donald Trump is the reason why they, why Steve eschewed this program. But as you all know, there are, there are two other venues for this program. So uh, I'm, I'm, I still don't think that, that uh, a liberal outlet is preferable to coming on and talking with us. But that's what Steve Bannon chose to do. Now, we got into this discussion about Trump's worst week. And I, as I told you, Schuster and McCory, they are individuals that seem to play it right down the middle, but they're also in New York. They're in this media bubble. And what I discovered is that the, the, the consensus is that Trump had his worst week of his presidency. Do, do, we, do we believe that last week? That it was the worst week of his presidency? And what did Trump say? We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. On many sides. So he condemns all hate, all bigotry, all violence. And... Somehow that was wrong. We'll get into this next. Be right back. The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. So it was Friday, and we uh, the, the show we jump on to uh, with our friends over at I twenty four News, and Ellis Hennigan is a is a well known Democrat, uh, a longtime buddy of mine. When I was in news, he was coming on as a guest on on my program, and so we have a a long time relationship. I found out he was coming on with me over at I twenty four News, and I knew we were going to have a rather frank discussion. Because Ellis is one of these few remaining liberals who can disagree with you without being disagreeable. And I thought we had a pretty constructive conversation. You guys be the judge. Uh, here it is, me and Ellis and Schuster and McCory at I-24 News. And you heard us talking about Bannon. Now it's, it's me, Hennigan, and Schuster alone talking about this whole idea of hate and Trump and the left's rather clumsy, flimsy attempt to tie Donald Trump to this hate. Trump's worst week, and I think you might even agree with this, was last week, right? After seven months of learning, it's getting worse by the week, not better. No, 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 not at all. I disagree because, you know, look, I'm one of the guys. You great? No, no, no. I think that the president, his message was right on, and I'll tell you exactly why. Today, his his Arts and Humanities Council resigned. They had their little <laughs> cute little coded message they had in yeah. the margins that said resist. Oh. I, I guess they disagree with the president's message that all hate, all bigotry, and all violence is wrong. Let me explain that. Uh, the Arts Council resigned, and in every paragraph, they had a letter that started that paragraph, and if you put all those first paragraph letters together, they spell the word resist. That was the Arts Council. Trump recognized the tactic of the leftists, the Obama holdovers in these councils that were left over from the Obama administration, that all they were looking for was an excuse to resign and make headlines, to, to pump up their own resistance, to show that they... So what Trump did is he, he basically disbanded the climate council. I said, uh, bravo. Why wait for them to make some show and, and drive headlines for a cycle? Just get rid of them. They're Obama holdovers anyway. They don't like you anyway. And no matter what you do, as I pointed out in this, in this I-24 News interview, as I pointed out, these people have a problem with saying all racism, all bigotry, all hate, all violence is wrong. They're going to disagree with you. If, if you can disagree with that, you're going to find something wrong in anything the president says. I guess they disagreed, so they had but, but to... They, but Chris, hold on a second. I mean, that isn't really the message. Not the way the vast majority of Americans are hearing it, including, as you know, a lot of Americans. As far as I can tell, the only committee left are the evangelicals, right? The ones who are supposedly the faith leaders in this country, pretty much the only ones still hanging tough with this guy. Ellis, I can't, I can't help how folks around this country in the, in the Democrat Party, the Never Trumper movement, want to, want to take what the president said. All I can tell you is what the president said, and I think it is a fantastic message to say that all hatred, all bigotry, and all violence is wrong when it comes to political discussions. But and Chris, the president- let me put a finer that- point on this. Let me put a finer point. Maybe you can answer this. Do you think yeah. that President Trump stands on the side, and we're talking about you have to pick a side here. Do you stand on the side of the neo-Nazis, or do you stand on the side of the people who are opposed to them. Do you know how the president believes on that? Now, many of you, hearing the nature of the question, I know that many of you are going to accuse Mr. Schuster there of being biased. And this is what I was making reference to earlier in the hour, talking about this bubble they all live in in New York. The, 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 
the main theme is Trump is accommodating to racists when he condemns all hatred and bigotry. I don't know how you arrive there, but that is the mantra. That is the thread. And you heard it in the nature of David Schuster's question. You got to choose a side. You must. Now, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that simply because there are hate-filled wastes of human skin known as KKK members, Nazis, and white supremacists out at an event does not exonerate, does not make better other groups that happen to be at that event, unless they are evangelical Christians who are praying for the conversion of their souls. But that's not what we found, ladies and gentlemen. We found equally hate-filled members, according to initial reporting by the New York Times, <clears throat> until the cultural blowback, and then all of a sudden factual reporting was taken, uh, was replaced by politically correct reporting. But the hatred and the vehemence was equal on both sides. So you had terrible people in the white supremacist KKK and, and the Nazi groups, and you had equally terribly terrible people from Antifa and Black Lives Matter. I don't have to remind this audience that Antifa has undertaken uh, smash the white man march. That is racism. That is pure, unadulterated racism. Black Lives Matter has called for the death of whites and called for the death of cops. What, is that a loving act? Is, am I misunderstanding something? No, I can, just by the fact that the Nazis are there does not make BLM or Antifa more virtuous or more meritorious. And I am sophisticated and intelligent enough to know that. And I will not cover for hatred just so I can take a gratuitous swipe at the President of the United States, no matter who it is. John McCain and Mitt Romney cannot say the same. Now, back to David Schuster's question. Aside, and we're talking about you have to pick a side here. Do you stand on the side of the neo-Nazis or do you stand on the side of the people who are opposed to them? Do you know how the President believes on that? I, I do not, and I reject the premise that it's an either-or. It's all of it. All hatred, all violence, all bigotry is wrong. You know, John McCain got out there and said that he thought that if you hate a black man, that is worse than if you hate a white man. I'm saying it is wrong to hate anybody because of the color of their skin. This is how you fight this narrative. And there are very few people, the Republicans don't seem inclined to fight. And the left wing is setting this, uh, th setting this template where we are to believe that Antifa and Black Lives Matter are not racist hate groups, and they are. And we're supposed to understand, according to the American left, that these groups, because they, op they oppose white supremacists, that somehow they're good folks. And they're not. They are equally terrible folks. And all of them, the white supremacists and BLM, the Nazis and Antifa, they all need to be condemned.
Here's the, here's the problem, David. If, if the only thing we focus on is that there is sin in all of our hearts, all God's creatures are imperfect, then we can never make a judgment about anything. It seems clear to me, and I think to most Americans, that when you have a bunch of violent neo-Nazis and Klansmen uh, roaring through the night in defense, frankly, of slavery, <laughs> most decent Americans are going to say, you know what, that's not my view of what America oh. is. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The Southern Poverty Law Center last year did a, did a survey. They said 3,000 people identified as members of the KKK. 3,000 people. And, and Ellis, are these the people roving all over the country? No, uh, but make it. But, but add, if, you add, if you add Donald Trump to the identification category, maybe you end up with 3,001. And I that's not know. where our president ought to be, Chris. I, it really I isn't. I don't believe for a second that our president is a racist. Not for a moment. And you know what? You know why? Because he was being praised by the likes of, of Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton back when he was a Democrat. He's being praised as a wonderful champion for the African-American community. Come on, Ellis. We can't let them get away with what they're attempting to do. If I see hate and I see racism, I'll call it out. No matter who's doing it. Mitt Romney can't claim the same. John McCain can't claim the same, and certainly the vast majority of the biased press cannot claim the same. As a matter of fact, just the opposite is happening. The press is ignoring the hate of Antifa and Black Lives Matter so they can take a slap at the President of the United States. It's wrong. By the way, so too are these never-Trumpers in the Republican caucus joining with the dishonest Democrats. And if you are going to excuse hate just so you can attack a president, I'm sorry. Uh, there is no room for you in a civilized society. Uh, I, I've got more of this, and we'll get to it coming up after we get back from the break. But before we go, you know, I, I wanted to let you guys know that summer's wearing down now, right? But where I, in the part of the country that I live, we've had lots of rain this summer. And you know what that means? Pollen is still everywhere. The grass has not browned where I am in the country, in the great state of Texas, folks. So that means allergy season has not stopped. And I'm a huge allergy sufferer. And that's why it is so vitally important that I make sure that the filters in my home, the air filters, are changed out and regularly maintained. You know how often you ought to be changing those filters, right? Every, every two to three months, they say. Two months if you're a severe allergy sufferer, three months for everybody else. You know, thank God I found filterby.com. Now I can set it and forget it. I don't have to worry about making sure every two to three months I am changing out my filters because I can sign up for filterby.com's automatic delivery system. I never have to worry about remembering because the filters will show up on my doorstep saying, oh, time to change them out. Ta-da! With filterby.com, no more heading out to those big box stores. Uh, looking for that magic number on a messy store shelf. That's a thing of the past. You don't have to know what a MERV is or an NPR is. At filterby.com, uh, they will show you the proper filter for your home's needs, and then they ship it however many you need within 24 hours. And by the way, shipping is free. Oh, by the way, you business owners out there, you will love filterby.com. You don't have to waste all that storage space anymore because you guys are swapping out, what, 10, 15 filters every single time for you guys with large businesses? Don't worry about all that storage space because at filterby.com, you just set, get set up on the schedule and they will deliver those filters to you and you put them in and you throw the old ones out and you're done. Uh, when was the last time you changed your HVAC filters, folks? 
Uh, again, two to three months is when you should be doing this. So go to filterbuy.com and you can get any size, no matter how weird or outdated it seems to you, at the best, pri- best price, shipped to your home for free within 24 hours. A made in the USA, it is really a no-brainer when you go with filterbuy.com. I'll be right back. Broadcasting with Latin flair. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, and here comes the the moral equivalency arguments. Uh, Some liberals jumping on Twitter, tweeting me a picture of ISIS saying, would you allow these folks to come to your town and speak, have a rally? (laughs) I said, well, yes, as long as they behaved within law. Of course, they were carrying AK-47s. I don't know if that's legal. Uh, As long as they were comporting with the law. Their words don't harm. Uh, I have been on record as saying these white supremacists, I don't want to prevent them from speaking. They have a constitutional right to speak. They have a constitutional right to speak and I have a constitutional right to call them idiots for it, for whatever they say. Same thing with Black Lives Matter. Doesn't make them a lesson. Doesn't think that I... Doesn't indicate that I think they're any less a hate group or reprobates or not not deserving of any credence. But free speech means what it says. And this weekend, the American left declared themselves opponents to free speech by the thousands in Massachusetts. So back to my shower, I was thinking, how do we combat this? How do we, how do we look at something that is so, that the motivation is so patently obvious? The reason why we're seeing Confederate statues being targeted is because the left wing and Democrats have no positive agenda for the United States that results in more liberty, more freedom, only more tyranny. That all... The only vision that the left wing has is more government control over your life. They, there is no idea that they have proposed that gives you more control over your life. Zero, none, nada. So what are our weapons that we don't have to get down and behave like Black Lives Matter or the KKK or Antifa or the white supremacists? What do we do? We unabashedly defend our rights, not with hate, but with determination. Now, many left-wingers will tell you, because you stand up and you don't want to be under their yoke, under their tyranny, they will call you hate-filled because you don't want to submit to the government controlling your life, to put limits on your life. But I will submit to you that most common sense individuals know that not to be the case. You know why I know? Polling out shows that 
62% of the United States of America do not want these Confederate memorials, these Confederate historical memorials torn down. Because they know that after these memorials come down, there'll be something else that the snowflakes and the buttercups and the leftists and the communists and the socialists and Black Lives Matter and Antifa will be bitching about. So we with a unified voice, with determined voices, not hateful voices, say to our political enemies a word they're not used to hearing. The word is no. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs> uh, Daily Caller's David Hookstead writing, I was right. The solar eclipse was totally overrated. <laughs> We'll get to uh, some more solar eclipse news here in a minute, but I want to start off the hour with the phones. Uh, 888-900-3393, we go to Massachusetts. Oh, really? Uh, th- that's okay. Let me know when uh, when you guys are done talking, then we'll get, it. we'll get Scott on from Massachusetts. Okay. Um, <laughs> let me just give you the eclipse news now. The eclipse news is as follows. It, uh, it's racist. The eclipse was racist, according to the Atlantic magazine. And they were serious, folks. They, were, they weren't, it, it wasn't satire. It wasn't, they weren't pulling people's legs. They were deadly serious. That the sun and the moon conspired against black people, like all Nazis do. <laughs> the Atlantic, a once great magazine, writes Eric Owens of the Daily Caller, uh, has determined that the total eclipse of the sun that occurred today did not affect enough black people. The Atlantic's very lengthy essay on the failure of the eclipse to occur where a sufficient number of black people reside is entitled American Blackout. It clocks in at a remarkable 4,544 words And it doesn't appear to be satire. The Great American Eclipse, Brooklyn Law School professor Alice Ristoff writes, in the rapidly deteriorating magazine, there live almost no black people along most of its path. The Atlantic's long-winded law professor assures readers that implicit bias of the solar system is presumably not the cause of the eclipse's failure to affect enough black people. Still, an eclipse chaser is always tempted to believe that the skies are relaying a message. <laughs> yes, I, I was looking for proof that left-wingers are a bunch of kooks, and I looked at the skies today, and there was my sign. Uh, Scott, uh, Scott is uh, done talking with the uh, with the production staff. All right, well, great. Let's go to Massachusetts. Hello, Scott. Welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show. What's going on? 
And um, is he there? Hello, Scott. Yeah, what's up, Chris? I'm so Hello. sorry. Are we on the air? Uh, yes, you are on the air. What's going on, man? I apologize. It, naturally, my timing, as soon as I go on, my, my phone decides to take the day off. But, yeah, first of all. Just like I, the I just, sun did. I'm sorry? Just like the sun did. Oh, what a joke. I was just down the beach. <laughs> I, I live right on the coast. I'm like, I'm like what eclipse. I, I come back from the I went across the street to get out of the sun. I was getting well, a sunburn. Yeah, you guys, are, you guys are not exactly right there in the direct path. What did you guys get, 50% coverage or something like that? 60% totality is 60% what they call it. 60% totality, yes. Yep. But like, I came back from the uh, bar across the street, which I took a 10-minute break to avoid a sunburn. I said, what's this eclipse stuff? Someone <laughs> goes, you missed it. I said, well, I said, yeah, that's about my luck. I go in the bathroom, and I miss a solar eclipse that comes every 30 years. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that was a, well to be fair, folks, it was only 2 minutes and 24 seconds at full, at, at full perigee. Uh, per, perigee. Anyway, what, what's, up, what's going on, Scott? What's on your mind today? Well, a few things, but mo- most importantly... Um, one of my friends listened to our call the other day, and I'm calling back to correct. You know, they do, as the New York Times does regularly, that rag. They retract statements. I said, remember my whole Yaki Way comment the other day? Yeah, or, or you know, typically the, the New York Times does not. But go ahead. You're, you're, you, what are you exactly. retracting? Just, just briefly, and then I'll move on to, to, to another subject. But just give me 20 seconds on this, because I, I don't like how I sounded. My friend said that was terrible. He listened to the call they're naming it, they want to rename it David Ortiz over Tom Yaki. Apparently, this is his M.O. He was the last owner to sign a black baseball player. So I said his family owned slaves. I came in way cold and presumptuous, and I apologize for everyone for that. I just wanted to correct that. That means something to me, and I appreciate you allowing me to do it. Sure. All right. What else is going on? What do you think of the What do you think of the um, protesters in Boston over the weekend? I uh, uh, I thought them to be uh, uh, very un-American. To be uh, To be honest with you, I mean, the the speech was called, ladies and gentlemen, a a freedom of speech rally. It was a freedom of speech rally, and then leftists from all over the country showed up to protest against the freedom of speech rally. That says a lot to me, Scott. Agreed. First of all, it kind of sounds like a redundancy, a freedom of speech rally. Well, if you have freedom of speech, why do you need to rally behind it? It's kind of a redundancy to me. Well, it's not a redundancy. What does it say about the current state of America when you have to have a rally to to celebrate something that you should have as part of your rights, but it's under assault constantly by the American left? Th- that it is. Two, two things I, I got from that. I, I naturally was watching it, watching the news. A, I couldn't believe how many people were there. It looked like uh, the Patriots Super Bowl rally. I think there was, they were estimating 40,000 people in the street, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And more importantly, here's probably the, the genesis of my call here, Chris. Half, half, I'm being generous there. If there's 40,000 people there, I'd be surprised if more than 1% even knew, knew why they were there. It's basically... Do I dare use the term cool or cliche to protest against protesters? The left is just, they just want to fight. They don't even know why. I, I would have loved to have grabbed one of the protests and said, what exactly are you protesting? You know what they probably would have said? Um, you know, Trump sucks. They, they got no idea. Brain yeah. dead left, Chris. Or George Soros paid me to be here. Uh, either well, way. George Soros, what, what a nightmare he is, by the way. What's up with him? But it's but it is it is true. I think your broader point is right that that a lot of these people, 
um, were not told by their handlers that they were going to show up and protest a freedom of speech rally. And, you know, now if they wanted to join and say, you know what, well, we celebrate freedom of speech as left and right, I think that would have been a pretty good kumbaya moment. But they, what they did is they wanted to shout down mm. the right wing and their celebration of free speech. And uh, yeah. uh, that, that, that is going to follow them around. Now, of course, the press, the press will not point that out, that the press thought them heroic for shouting down a free speech rally. But we, we think differently. I mean, it. The lunacy of it all is it's almost like the saying you can't see the forest through the trees. Think about it. You're going to go protest a free speech rally. What are you protesting? What do you mean? Well, they're they're protesting (laughs) the United States. I know they're protesting the United States. Scott, I appreciate the call. Thank Uh, you. You your buddy. There is. And we've I, I, I think we've said this at least five or six times over the last couple of weeks. I may disagree with what you say, but I'll fight to the death. For your right to say it. Liberals don't believe in that anymore, ladies and gentlemen, if they ever did. The problem is, is now you have an entire industry, the the biased press. They make their living off of the freedom of speech, off the freedom of the press. And they're the first ones to laud and celebrate left-wingers coming out by the thousands to decry free speech and uh, talk about your contradiction of terms. Uh, coming up with the program, folks, we will be talking with uh, our buddies in the Article 5 movement. Now, th- these are new folks that you haven't heard of before because we have you, either, you know, Mark Meckler's group or, you know, the folks that we talk with most often, the Assembly of State Legislatures. Well, there's another group working toward the same goal. And I'm, I'm very eager to introduce them to you because of the conduct of the Republican Party, in particular in the Senate, as of late. I don't know that, I don't know that we're going to get anything done. We posted on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page uh, a piece by Justin Bogey, who is, the title of the piece is this, America is heading straight into its most avoidable crisis ever. He's talking about the debt. Are twenty trillion dollars in debt? Uh, do, do you know that? I I can't think of I'm, I'm I'm straining right now. I can't think of one Republican who is at all alarmed at twenty trillion dollars in debt. As a matter of fact, the strongest statement I hear from the Republican Party is we have to have a clean debt ceiling increase, meaning we won't tie spending cuts to any debt ceiling increase, which means there is nobody in Washington, D.C. dedicated to getting this government spending under control. They're going to spend us into us, our children, and our grandchildren into oblivion for the temporary of convenience of today. And the Republican Party, the alleged conservative party, is the one that's supposed to be addressing this, but nobody's addressing it. Uh, so that's coming up here at the bottom of the hour. I wanted to get into this too. Uh, this is kind of an addendum to our outlook on the current state of the left and, and, and the timidity of the right that continues with the exception of the president of the United States, who's out there fighting for what, for what you believe Mitch McConnell. No, John McCain, 
Right. Bob Corker. <laughs> Bill Maher was talking. Now, I am going to tie this together, folks. So, so stick with me. Bill Maher was talking about fat shaming. Yes, fat shaming. And he's blaming left and right. And I'll explain everything when we get back on the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Telling the truth. It's one of those jobs American liberals won't do. That's why we need the liberty-loving Latino Chris Salcedo. The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo show on the blaze radio network before i get to uh bill maher did you guys hear about colin kaepernick kaepernick supporters are calling for an nfl boycott <laughs> we we people on the right when we took issue with colin kaepernick and his trashing of the flag and trashing of america we were, we were, when we called for a boycott not watching, we were called small, and I, and I never called for a boycott. I just said I wasn't going to watch. We were called small. We were called petty, blah, you know, just, just one guy. And of course, it caught on with other reprobates in the NFL who want to uh, disrespect the United States of America. Well, now members of the left like the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Progressive Colored People, they and others are backing up Colin Kaepernick, saying he deserves a job in the NFL. The NFL should give him the platform to bash America. Never mind that he sucks as a quarterback. Never mind that no team wants the controversy. Never mind that the number one reason given by NFL fans for tuning out last season was these protests against the national anthem and the flag. 26% of NFL viewers said they didn't tune in because of that. That was the number one reason. Also on a similar vein, the leftists who apparently run the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History, according to Chris Enlow at The Blaze, they are setting aside, in uh, I guess some some portion of the exhibit on Black Lives Matter, the movement, and they're going to make room for Colin Kaepernick. They, they they won't have a Supreme Court justice by the name of Clarence Thomas, but they'll have Colin Kaepernick in there. So I guess left wingers need only apply to the. Smithsonian, which I thought was supposed to be a national museum. Apparently, it's only for left-wingers. Just saying. Speaking of left-wingers, here's Bill Maher. And I'm going to connect the dots, ladies and gentlemen, on how this, what this has to do with speech and what we saw this weekend in Boston. Uh, here he is going after the left and the right for fat-shaming. Now, he, he bashes the right because we objected to Michelle Obama telling us what our kids could eat and forcing a menu down our throat. And then here he is taking the left to task. 
Back when they both had jobs, Steve Bannon was asked why Sean Spicer was spending less time in front of the camera, and he joked, oh, well, Sean got fatter. Okay, not the greatest joke ever, but a joke. Yeah. Not... <laughs> not to Chelsea Clinton, it wasn't. She tweeted, fat shaming isn't a joke I find funny ever. Oh, Christ, even your mom knew when to fake a laugh. <laughs> And then, and then he gets into the crux of his argument. I'm sorry, but pretending everyone is beautiful at any size is not helping them, it's enabling them. But among the shaming police, the most important message you can ever send an obese person is that your body is perfect just the way it is. You see, headli <laughs> you see headlines on liberal websites like, body positivity has no size limit. Really? No limit at all? There's no middle ground between shaming and shamu. <laughs> and then he transitioned into blaming both left and right for the absence of free speech. Now, his example from the right is Donald Trump. And that Donald Trump is attacking the biased press. He, he seems to think that because Donald Trump doesn't take too kindly to being treated unfairly by the press that that somehow is squelching free speech. I don't get it, but listen to his reasoning. But wait, it gets worse. Not only are left and right united on what goes in your mouth, they've also declared open season on the words that come out of it. Free speech is under attack from both sides. You have Trump, who says fake news so many times a day, it's like he has totalitarian Tourette's. <laughs> a president. An American president calling the fourth estate the enemy. He's also called them scum, disgusting, really bad people. Well, it has the virtue of being true, Mr. Marr. There are, you know, Cheryl Atkinson wrote a, a piece on this. and actually, there, was, there was a pull quote from it that I put out on Twitter. And forgive me for not having it pulled up right here in front of me. But it was something along the lines of the press are doing things today that they were never permitted to do. They, that, that they were never permitted to do uh, as part of their job. They're, they're letting opinion masquerade as news. And it's to all of our detriment. So I think that, that Donald Trump is spot on, on on calling out this. Here it is. Firewalls that once strictly separated news from opinion have been replaced by hopelessly blurred lines. Cheryl Atkinson. And she's absolutely right. And he wants to change libel law so he can go after people who insult him and, in his words, sue them and win lots of money. He tried it with me four years ago to the tune of $5 million simply because I demanded he produce, you remember this, his birth certificate and prove he wasn't part orange-haired orangutan, I mean... Hey, a lot of people were saying it. A lot of people were saying it. So I think he's off base on criticizing Trump to standing up against the, the obvious bias, liberal bias in the press. But then he, he trained his guns, if you will, his 
rhetorical guns on the American left. He got it half right here, too. And then there's what's going on on the left. Oh, we have our own anti-free speech brigade, which you might know by their other name, college. (laughs) Where the most popular major these days is outrage, with a minor in canceling speaking engagements. Berkeley was the home of the free speech movement. Now it's enforcing speaking bans. So there you have it. Next time someone pines for bipartisanship, just remember, when people of goodwill come together across the aisle, we can f*** up anything. Yeah. He neglected to mention the Boston rally against free speech. His left wing is protesting against free speech. We talk Article 5 next. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's Chris Salcedo Show, and today we're kind of focused on finding solutions. We've been talking about the last hour ways to push back against the false narrative that's being pushed out there. Uh, and then we've got to start paying attention to what our government is is up to, and, and to be quite frank, what they're not up to. Uh this this Republican controlled Congress is probably one of the biggest failed Congresses uh, in my lifetime. After pledging for seven years to to do something about Obamacare, they've done nothing. After after pledging to get some uh, to reintroduce fiscal responsibility to to the Capitol, they've done nothing. After pledging to restore our military, very little they have done. After after pledging to reform this massive tax code that is a cancer on all of us they've done nothing and you you can you can stare at the united states senate as the main culprit here not that the the house is completely without blame but the united states senate is dysfunctional and made so by the likes of mccain capito portman murkowski collins and others let me bring on Someone who's part of the solution, I believe, Chip DeMoss, CEO of Compact for America Educational Foundation. He's an investment banker in the energy sector, a CPA, uh, a chartered global management accountant, and he received his uh, undergraduate degree from Texas A&M University and his master's degree from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Chip, welcome to Chris Nelsato Show. Chris, thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Look forward now, to talking with you. Oh, me too. You guys, uh, Compact for America Educational Foundation, you guys are committed to finding solutions to bringing accountability back to government uh, using the Article 5 Convention of the States. Now, you guys are separate from Mark Meckler's group, and you're separate from the Assembly of State Legislators, but you guys are all working toward the same goal. Explain to us what you're doing. 
Absolutely. We support all four. There's the big four that's involved in the Article 5 movement. Um, you mentioned a few of them, Assembly of State Legislatures. They're led by Chris Kappinga, a Wisconsin state senator, and their mission was to draft a proposed set of rules to control the Article 5 convention. They spent about two years doing that, and they just issued that rule set uh, last June, and really, we really commend them for their efforts on that. Um, then you've got what's called the Balanced Budget Amendment Task Force, and this is the continuation of the Reagan-era Reagan push for a balanced budget amendment. They've been working tirelessly for the past 30 years to get to the finish line. Um, their approach still probably has seven to ten years to go to see if they could get to a ratified balanced budget amendment, and so we're going to do what we can to support them in their efforts. And then thirdly, you have Mark Meckler's group, the, the Convention of States. Um, and we really commend Mark because he's really organized a, a new grassroots, nationwide grassroots organization that for the first time is driven from the top down. Um, and Mark's group, they've got some, some big goals. They want to have a convention and maybe uh, discuss two dozen potential amendments that could be proposed to the Constitution. Um, they, too, probably have a, a seven- to ten-year time frame uh, to determine if they could ever get to the finish line on any of those amendments, and we're going we're gonna to do what we can to help all those groups. Um, but, frankly, we don't think we have seven to ten years to get to the finish line. Uh, we at Compact for America, Chris, we believe the fundamental structural flaw in D.C. right now is that Congress has uh, the power to borrow whatever they want. Um, Congress, the debtor, is in control of its own debt limit. Um, that's crazy. Um, and that's predict predictably going to lead to what's happened in D.C. right now. Uncontrolled, unrestrained spending, waste, abuse, entrenchment of the ruling class, and ultimately the erosion of the balance of power between the states and the federal government. So we yeah. are, we've designed an approach that we want to get to the finish line maybe in the next 18 months to try to uh, push back on that particular structural flaw. Well, I want to, I want to talk about your approach yeah. and in preparation for your, for your arrival here on the show, introducing us to your group, we posted on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page an article by our friends over there at the Daily Signal. Uh, this is Justin Bogey who put this up there. America is heading straight into the most avoidable crisis ever, which is our debt crisis, and they have pictured on there an iceberg. Uh, I, I'm imagining to represent the Titanic. But we have, as we, as we pointed out on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page, economically ignorant senators like John McCain, uh, other senators like Rob Portman, Lisa Murkowski, Collins, Dean Heller, Shelley Moore Capito, who don't give two wits about, about fiscal restraint in Washington, D.C. As a matter of fact, they're with, they're with the liberal side of the equation, driving us into further unaccountable debt. As I, I can't find anybody, save a few conservatives, on Capitol Hill who are talking about restraining Washington's spending and, and uh, committing our children to unrepayable debt. Uh, like I said, save a few conservative senators and congressmen. Has this government, in your estimation, grown beyond the consent of the governed? I think it has, and I think for the reasons we just described, it's because they don't have to budget. 
there's no limit on the amount of money they can spend. So, it, Chris, it's just going to lead to that, that predicament that you just described. And the new members of Congress that go there and try to change it, they're powerless to do so. It's a fundamental structural flaw. Hey, Thomas Jefferson realized that flaw 10 years after, after the Constitution was ratified. He said, if there's one thing I could have changed in the Constitution, it would have been to take away the power from the federal government to borrow money. So it's not anything new that we've come up with. This has been in existence for over 200 years. Um, I think it's just time we start trying to address what the structural flaw is and see if we can rein back the federal government by yeah. focusing on that one issue. And all, all we hear from so-called leaders, I'm making air quotes with my fingers, uh, Mitch McConnell, John McCain, and others in Washington, D.C., is clean debt ceiling, clean debt ceiling. Uh, let's, not, let's not do anything so that we're not here in a couple of more years uh, raising the debt ceiling once again, taking zero action to, to curb government's massive spending. You guys have an idea to head that off. What is it? Well, what we what we're doing is our goal, is, Chris, is not to hold a convention. Our goal is to get this specific balanced budget amendment. It's really a debt control amendment ratified into the Constitution in the next 18 months. So what we've done is we've developed uh, what's called an interstate compact, which is just a fancy term for a binding legal contract among the states, where the states agree that they're going to bind themselves to follow a specific process to get this amendment proposed and ratified as quickly as possible. When they join the compact for a balance, when a state joins the compact for a balanced budget, it says we agree to the text of the amendment. We agree that we will show up at the convention and limit the convention to 24 hours because the only agenda item on the convention is to formally propose this specific amendment. And we also agree that we will ratify that amendment once it's proposed. So once a state joins the compact for a balanced budget, it's, we're done with that state. We never have to go back to them again for any other items related to Article 5 because it's a turnkey solution to getting the job done as quickly as possible in this circumstance where we have an emergency going on in our country and we can't wait seven to ten years. We've got well, five how many states, states? How many states are on board so far, Chip? Five states: Georgia and Alaska joined in fourteen, Mississippi and North Dakota joined in fifteen, and Arizona just recently joined in the last uh, two months. So. We, we're five down. We've got 33 states to go because 38 states is the magic number for ratification. Nothing happens in our compact approach until we get 38 states to join. And that is, uh, we, that is Chip, that is ambitious. Uh, th 30, <laughs> 35 other states or 33 other states, and uh, you've got to do it in 18 months. Look, that's why we're going to make the uh, Compact for America Educational Foundation a regular part of the Chris Salcedo Show so folks can turn up the heat on their legislators, and especially those in internally in the states who are arguably more accountable to we the people, to get on board with this so we can, so we can introduce fiscal sanity to the out-of-control individuals who are populating America's federal government. Chip DeMoss, everybody, he's the CEO of Compact for America Educational Foundation, sir. Appreciate the visit here on the Chris Salcedo Show. You'll be back on next week. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. All right, folks, coming up, we will give you an update 
on that senator who called for the death of the president of the United States. <laughs> uh, I can hardly wait to share that with you coming up. The Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Listening to the Latino conservative Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, some incidents over the weekend I wanted to not let go unsaid. First off, uh, Jerry Lewis passing away, a man who raised a lot of money for charity, a very funny man, a classic comedian, age 91. Uh, and then there was the violence against our nation's police officers. Over the weekend, this was Friday night, six police officers shot here in the United States, two of them dead. And I, I can't help but wonder out loud how, the, 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 how this last administration that was in office regarded our nation's police has led to this open season mentality among the unhinged in our, in our society against police officers. Uh, the thin blue line definitely is under assault. I don't think there's any question about that. And it's times like these, they need to be fully backed up by we the people, in my estimation. Another tragedy was the John S. McCain. Another, uh, another U.S. ship was in, in, involved in a collision, in, this time in Singapore, now, the Fitzgerald first, its crew just last week, uh, its commanding officers were demoted, taken off of, uh, out of command. Who knows what's going on with the crew of the McCain? But 10 are missing, five injured after this collision. And every hour that goes by, uh, our hearts get sadder and sadder over the fate of those of those 10. But I heard a couple of military analysts, and I have to concur with their estimate that this is the result of eight years of complete destruction of our military at the hands of the most extremist left-wing occupier of the Oval Office this country's ever seen. And the dilapidated state of our military, the diversion of funds to whatever, you know, places like Iran, places like Cuba, instead of maintaining our, our fighting prowess. And now we're seeing when you don't have the money, you can't keep the planes in the air, you can't keep the ships sailing, and you can't keep proper training up. And many are speculating that we are seeing this come to bear now with accidents, ospreys going down, with uh, ships colliding. It's an, I've said this before, we're going to be paying for years for the occupation of the Oval Office of President Obama. 
Lastly, remember that Missouri State Senator Maria Chappelle Nadal. It was inappropriate. I've said that three times now. And Are you apologizing for it? No. When the president apologizes for what he says, I'll apologize. So but you the my go as far to say your your statement was inappropriate. Yes. You're not apologizing. It was inappropriate. It was wrong. I put it posted it to my personal Facebook page and I deleted it. But you're not apologizing. For no. Well, Senator Claire McCaskill in Missouri, who's up for re-election, came out and said this woman ought to resign. <laughs> Whoops. And then all of a sudden, bingo, this is the woman who wanted to, who called for the assassination of Donald Trump, changed her tune. President Trump, I apologize to you and your family. I made a mistake. And you know what I'm reminded of is that we are all human. And I'm also a child of God. I made a mistake. And I'm owning up to it. And I am not ever going to make a mistake like that again and i have learned my lesson my judge and my jury is my lord jesus christ might i suggest that um, if your lord and savior jesus christ were on your heart that you would never have suggested the assassination of the president of the united states to begin with just offering that up there and isn't it funny when left-wingers now, remember, she, this, this is a matter of days between those two statements. What changed? What changed? Well, many Democrats were put on the spot by certain individuals in the press. Not everybody, but certain individuals in the press did ask. And the likes of Claire McCaskill had to, had to denounce it, of course, because that's, you know, calling for the assassination of the president's not good. And I just love it when left-wingers who are constantly assailing Christians talk about their lord jesus christ hey remember everybody a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by government but rather how much power is reserved for we the people have yourselves a grand day back tomorrow here on the blaze radio network with the salcedo show this is the chris salcedo show part of the next generation of talk radio this is the blaze radio network